time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. We're in the middle of a couple of episodes that I wanted to talk about some things I learned in the early days of my training as a hospital chaplain. Uh, I talked about this a little in the last episode. If you didn't listen to that, you can go back and listen to the first four lessons that I picked up along the way. And this is early in my career. Uh, just to kind of bring you up to date, early in my career, I did a training program. I'd only been in graduate school for a year and jumped into a training program and then spent the next few years after that being a chaplain after having been hired through that training program as a hospital chaplain. Hospital chaplains are there in the worst of circumstances sometimes. We also get to celebrate. We also had those moments of celebration, and I've talked about this in other podcasts. And, you know, I remember the moments when, when it was be highlighted for me about the great celebrations and the, the moments of despair. Uh, one of those moments uh, is, was often captured because of the exact opposite things happening. For instance, I was one night in the ER when uh, two families were called in because of an accident. Somebody had accidentally run a red light, hit another car. One person in that accident, one driver, was killed on the spot. The other person walked away with a gash over their eye. So as I walked back and forth between the two rooms that were holding the family, the consultation rooms holding each family, I was with one family that was completely devastated by an event that the other family was so happy about what had happened that, that their, their, their person had been spared, that the driver of that car was walking away with almost no injury. And there I was trying to make sense of the fact that I was walking from great loss into a room with great celebration and back from the room of great celebration to that room of great loss. And there are theological questions that were surrounding that, and there were emotional questions. There was grief on display. And it's one of those moments that chiseled into my mind how you learn in such critical incidents, those, those moments that stand with you. You know, if you probably think back on your life about those etched into your memory because of, of how distinct those moments are. That kind of moment and many others are what I draw from even now as I think about how you thrive in life because life is rough and tumble. Life is not easy. Life has its challenges and we thrive because we take on those challenges, not because there's an absence of those challenges, but because we rise to the occasion of those challenges. We can enjoy the good times and rejoice in those, those easy times and kind of revel in those easy times. But the problem is that we have come in our culture to expect that those easy times mean that life is working, that life is right, that the life is wrong in the tough times. Yet we all grow and learn from the tough times, which gets us ready for the next ones. In fact, that's kind of the series of, of life, right? Where we, we take on challenges and we grow from them and we're ready for the next one. And, and in between those challenges, we get to enjoy life. And all of that, the panoply of experience, that's about thriving. So in the last episode, I touched on the fact that life is both fragile and something which we hold too tightly, that those are two lessons I learned about how fragile life is, and yet how tenaciously we hold to that and overcome great things in order to continue moving forward. I also talked about at the end, it's the relationships that matter. 
that sometimes we do a lot of accumulating of, of stuff and we miss accumulation of relationships. We, we forget to nurture the relationships because we're so busy with busyness in life and so busy with career in life and so busy with money and, and material possessions that sometimes we put our relationships at risk. And yet at the end, when everything is stripped away from us, when our health is stripped from us, when our resources are stripped from us, when the resources don't matter anymore, the relationships are what are there to sustain us and hold us tight. And then I also talked about last time, that last lesson I covered was about finishing the unfinished business. That what I watch is so many people who had to figure out how to finish business that they thought they had plenty of time left and that we all have no idea when that happens, but we all have a chance on a daily basis to reflect on what we need to finish, not to get it behind us, but so that we can keep moving forward without being anchored to it the people we need to communicate with and reach out to, the apologies we need to make, the amends we need to make, the people we need to forgive, the the places we need to, to kind of revisit and change, and the people that we need to let know how important they are. That's the unfinished business I'm talking about. So today I want to talk about a few more lessons along the way. Number, number five is that strength comes from adversity, not from ease. What I realized is that the people were not growing stronger because nothing was going wrong. They were growing stronger because they took on challenges. That's a lesson that I have continued to remind myself of, that thriving is about taking on those challenges and moving beyond them. How do you build muscle? If you want to go to the gym and build muscle, what do you do? You challenge the muscle. You pick up something that challenges the muscle, even tears it down a little bit in order for it to be built up and and stronger for the next one. And so as I was a hospital chaplain, I was watching people that while their body might be growing weaker and weaker, they, their base self was growing stronger and stronger because they were taking on adversity and they were coming back for more. And that our task in life is to recognize that the strength comes from those difficult times. We would just assume get away from. Just assume a void, but they're going to come our way. And so we might as well learn that the strength comes from coming through those adversities. Number six, the sixth lesson is that the big worries that we often have get pretty small in perspective. This is something that was hallmarked for me all the time. Many people told me that when, when it really got tough, when they really realized the vulnerabilities of life, they realized that what they'd been worrying about were really kind of small potatoes, that, that there were bigger things for them to have been focused on. And I saw this repeatedly in my career as a therapist. I remember having worked with a couple for well over a year to try to get them back on course with very little luck. We kept going back to zero every time I had a session with them. I thought we'd made some progress and they would come in the next week and they were right back where we started. And then one week, they called and said they couldn't come in. There, there were some doctor stuff that happened, and they would get back with me. The week later, they came in, and everything had changed. They were connected. They were kind with each other. They were loving towards each other. And I asked what had happened. And they told me that in the intervening week, the man had been diagnosed with cancer. And they were going to do everything they could to treat the cancer, but it suddenly put it in perspective because there was a possibility he would not make it. 
And the woman realized that all of the things that she'd been focused on were small in comparison to the loss that would happen. And the man had realized that all of the expectations that he had had that were beyond what were, was possible in the relationship paled in comparison to the fact that she was standing with him. And suddenly, everything was put in perspective. The health crisis had shaken them out. And I saw that repeatedly in the hospital where some scare made people recognize that the things that we spend a lot of time worrying about are often beyond our control and not the big things, and that we would be better served to focus less on them and worry less on them and think more on where we want to move towards. So the big lesson ended up being that those big worries that we all carry around with us, when we put it in terms of the bigger picture of survival and, and of health and, and wellness, suddenly they, they take their own place. Sometimes those big worries we end up realizing weren't that big. They just occupied a lot of space in our head and we gave them a lot of room that they didn't really deserve. The big worries, as, as Richard Carlson said, don't sweat the small stuff. And he said, as an uh, ending of that, remember, it's all small stuff. Now, Richard Carlson died from uh, a lung embolism, and, and his wife uh, had a, talk, uh, a chance to interview her. Christine Carlson talks about the fact that some of the things are big, and we have to deal with the big stuff. But when you look at the big stuff, you recognize that so much of the other stuff that has our attention really is the small stuff. And that came in clear focus for me time after time as a chaplain. The seventh lesson I learned is that loss is a part of life. We cannot go through life without losses. We lose people in our lives. We lose opportunities. We lose and lose throughout life. That's not all life is, but it's a part of life. And sometimes we act as if the loss is the anomaly, not that it's truly the part of life. Grief is a part of life. In fact, if you lose something and you have no grief over it, it meant nothing to you. Grief lets us know that something was important. Sometimes we get lost, though, in believing that somehow life's done us unfair when we lose something, rather than seeing that that's what life's about. When we have those losses, as hard as they are, and when we add to that that something's not fair, that something is wrong with the fact that we had a loss— we add something that's, that's not true, that that's just how life is. Our previous generations knew this very well because life was a lot more fragile then. There were less opportunities for making it through childbirth and making it through middle age and making it out of childhood even. And so loss would surround people, but we have gotten to a place where at least in the Western world, there are more anomalies for difficulties in childbirth and difficulties in, in being a child and, and even at midlife. And so we come to think that loss isn't right, that something is wrong with loss. It's not that I want to invite loss into my life as much as I can't keep it out of my life. As much as we want to avoid those things, that's part of being alive. If we're going to live, we're going to lose, and it's going to hurt. That's the grief process. The danger is seeing that as unnatural rather than saying that is a part of life that I've got to learn to move through. 
we're better served by recognizing their losses because then we can say, and these are important things. When we're feeling grief, it gives us a clear message that that was important to us. It gives us a shift away from believing that things will last forever, that people will last forever, and that we will last forever. We all have that place where there is going to be a loss. Which brings us to my eighth lesson, which is that misery and joy are in many ways choices. As it's been said, people can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven based on how we look at things. I've known people who have been in, in difficulty after difficulty who maintain their joy. I've also had people who were at the top of the echelons in many areas and were completely miserable. I remember sitting with a man in the hospital who had found out he was dying and I walked in and he wasn't what I expected. He was, he was kind of glowing and uh, I'd seen him before on previous times in and, and I said, tell me what's, what's going on. You, you seem like you're in a good place. And he said, you know, I spent my life being miserable because I didn't think I had enough. I didn't think I'd done enough. I didn't think my position was high enough. I didn't think I got enough love. And he said, I realized that I was spending my life looking at all the things I don't have and making myself miserable about that. Now I have nothing. I have no future. My resources won't matter shortly. The relationships that I have are the ones that I can cling to. They're the ones who are now standing beside me and supporting me. And I realized that there's joy in that. I realize that there's a joy in recognizing what I do have and counting the friends that visit me and the family that visits me and the opportunities I've had. He looked at me and said, I've traveled the world. I've done lots of great things and I never enjoyed it. I was always miserable because I thought there was always something beyond that. Now I recognize that I should have been avoid, enjoy, enjoying that along the way, and the enjoyment would have joyed me along the way. I remember those words. I remember our discussing how things can change based on our perspective, that we can make ourselves miserable and in some ways miss the fact that that's a choice, and we can make ourselves joyful and we miss the fact that that's also a choice in the same circumstances. I sat with families who were in absolute misery over the loss of someone. And I sat with people who were joyful about the life of that person. Both were in grief, but they were coming at it from a different angle. One was of gratitude and the other was only looking at the loss. The loss is there. It's always going to be there. And grief is always going to hurt. But when we can count the blessings of that person, when we can count the, the luck, the fortune of having had that person in our lives, it can kind of change the grief process. Misery and joy, I learned, were choices we can make along the way that we can make at any point, no matter the circumstances around us. We have that option. Which brings us also to lesson number nine. Sometimes you just have to hold on. That was the lesson. Sometimes you just have to hold on that, that sometimes the sun's going to come out the next day. You just hold on for the next thing, whatever the next thing is. Sometimes all you can do is hold on. I sat with people who were waiting for tests that would tell them whether they were going to live or how long they were going to live. And all they could do in that time was hold on. I sat with people who were going through what seemed like interminable treatments 
and all they could do was hold on. Part of my joy were the times when people would go through horrible treatments and then I would see them months or even years later and could see that they had held on long enough to get to something better. Then I also witnessed people who, in the midst of grief, all they could do was hold on and wait for it to pass. Sometimes in life, the best we can do is hold on. We figure it out after the fact. We figure out what the growth points are, but sometimes that's the best we have at that moment, to hold on and keep on moving forward, waiting for the next day, waiting for the next, waiting for something else that's finally going to turn the corner for us. And that brings us to number 10. Number 10 is the realization that we won't make it out alive. So we've got to make the most of it. There was a woman who was dying and she grabbed my arm and she said, make the most of it. And I said, I'm sorry. And she said, make the most of it. And I said, make the most of what? And she looked me square in the eyes and said, your life. Make the most of it. That didn't fully click into me until I had my own health scare when I heard the doctor talk about me being totally disabled and when I read about all of the ways that I could potentially die with what I had and that the outcome of what I had was likely to be an early death. And then I suddenly realized that I had not been making the most of it. I turned a lot of things around after that. I was fortunate enough to have what I've come to call bonus time. Bonus time is the time I didn't think I was going to have to do things differently, to do what I thought I needed to do to make the most of it. The seeds were planted way back then that that was what mattered in life. I come to realize as a chaplain that there are three pieces that we all need in life. We need to make sense of life. We need to find some meaning to it. And we create the meaning around that. It's not that there is some, some meaning we discover, but we find and make our meaning. Then we have to find our purpose. Whatever it is, even small places where you say, what's my purpose? It's to, to be a part of a family or my purpose is to help someone along the way. My purpose is so myriad it could be from anything. But we live best when we're on our purpose. And the third piece is when we realize that we're here to make an impact, that we have today to make that impact, that we have now to make that impact, that we can't look back on the times where we didn't do it, but we step forward into the new places where we can create what we know we're here to do, to make that impact. There is no doubt that you and I will make an impact in the world You can't avoid it as a human. The question is whether we're making a good impact or bad impact and whether we're choosing the impact we want to make. What I learned as a chaplain was that I needed to make the most of my life, not by getting everything I could out of life, not by trying to get all the riches I could out of life, not by trying to get all the power I could out of life, but by trying to make a difference in life. That the place where we find that joy is when we reach out of ourselves towards others, not when we try to pull in. Whenever we're trying to pull in, we end up finding ourselves with more misery. But whenever we're trying to put out more and give more and help more, we find that joy. You and I, we're not going to get out of this alive. That's a fact. And when we forget that, 
we forget the fact that every moment of every day is precious, that every moment you have is an opportunity, every moment I have is an opportunity to live our purpose, to live into impact, to make a difference, and to make it matter. I hope this has been helpful for you. This is part of my task of trying to help as many people as I can to thrive. If you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you would share it. I have social media links at the bottom of this under the podcast, or you can just do a tweet if you're on Twitter. All you have to do is type into your browser, thriveology.com slash love. That's thriveology.com slash love. It will create a tweet that you can send out and other people will see it. You can leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. That would be great. And if you want more and are trying to figure out how to bring more of thriving into your life, please check out my two books. One that's out now in bookstores is Thrive Principles, 15 Strategies for Building Your Thriving Life. You can learn more by going to thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com, or you'll find it where you normally like to get your books. My new book is The Immutable Laws of Living, talking about those laws that we often break and we don't realize it, but we get ourselves into trouble and hold ourselves back in life because we keep breaking these laws. I think these laws, once we understand what they are, are easy to follow. Right now, that book is available in ebook format, whatever ebook you like, whether it's iBooks or Kindle or Nook or any of the others. You can find it in your favorite ebook store. It will be out in softback in, the, in your stores in April. And you can learn more about that book at theimmutablelawsofliving.com, theimmutablelawsofliving.com. Regardless, my hope for you is that you find your meaning, you create your purpose, and you make your impact in the world. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.